0: Um, I know we've we've looked at this a lot last year, but let's look at this one more time. This is John six twenty nine. Uh, the here in John six, if you remember, the uh, the crowd uh, is uh, speaking. Let me take a coffee break. The crowd, the crowd, and, and Jesus were interacting about on on the the work that they would that they would do, and Jesus answers with this, and he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that's all that he says on that. that the work of the Lord is, is to believe in Jesus, to recognize him for who he is, and to put you know, all of your hope and faith and trust in him. It's later on here in John uh, that, that Jesus, uh, the, the teaching, he's got a lot of people following, you, you remember, and he begins to teach challenging and difficult things, uh, even, even maybe offensive. Uh, but how many of you know the gospel is offensive? And, and out of his love for us, our heavenly Father will discipline us, uh, even if it means offending us. And any of us who have children, we recognize and understand that that is a loving act on his part, right? There are things I'm not going to say yes to in my children's lives. There are things I'm not going to give permission. There are things that I'm going to oppose, and whether it offends them or not, it offends them. I don't know, because it's just not good for them, and it doesn't help them to become the men and women that God has called them to be. So so his teaching gets Maybe a little troublesome, a little difficulty, maybe even offensive. And so people begin to leave. In John 6, 66, which, you know, I say this a lot, but it's just interesting to me uh, that 666 is the number of the beast, uh, the Antichrist, as John refers to him, uh, the lawless one, as Paul refers to him, the beast, as as Revelation uh, refers to him, is the number of uh, the beast. And in John 6, 66, uh, people stop believing in Jesus and they turn and walk away from him. Those who had been following him uh, turn and and depart from him. And so he turns to his disciples, the the 12, the apostles, and he says to them, you know, what about you guys? Are you guys going to leave too? And they and, and you remember Peter's response. Peter says, no, where are we going to go? Peter basically says, I see you for who you truly are. My faith and trust is in you. We believe in you. We know that you are the Holy One of God and that you alone have the words of life. He says, "He says we believe in the one that God has sent, and, and so what else can we do? We are staying right here. Peter doesn't say that he understands everything or, or can explain everything, but he says, we believe, we are remaining, we are staying. The work that the Lord has called us to is to believe in the one whom he has sent. These are the words of Jesus. Now, if you push a little bit further uh, into, John, into the book of John, you come to John chapter 13. John 13 is a pretty famous uh, chapter. Jesus is starting to move towards the cross. It's in John 13 that they celebrate Passover together, and that he, he serves his disciples. He washes uh, their feet. You remember that passage of Scripture? And then uh, then um, there's, there's teaching and instruction. He explains why that he did that, and then there's teaching and there's instruction that follow, you know, into John 14, 15, 16. But let's, let's be reminded here of how John 13 uh, ends. John 13, let's start at 31, When he was gone, Jesus Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, interesting way to state that, isn't it? we We know from 1 John 3 that we are the children of God, right? How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we would be called children of God, and that is who we are. We know that. Most of us can quote it. We don't understand it. Don't understand what it means to be children of God. My children, now he's starting to do that thing that Jesus does where he says things that throws them off, you know. He says, I will be with you only a, little, only a little longer. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Where's that coming from? And you will look for me, just as I, just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. He says, I'm not, he says things are coming to an end here. And he says, I'm going to go somewhere, and, and you can't come there. And then he says this, verse 34, He says, a new command I give you. Got this, I'm I'm fixing to go away. Things are shifting, things are changing. I'm going to leave you with a new command. New command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So Jesus gives the apostles, he gives the disciples a new command that comes all the way to us a new command that we are to love one another. Says it there, says it here, love one another. And then he gives us instructions on it by saying to us uh, what, how we are to love one another. As I have loved you, Jesus says, so you must love one another. So we've got, you know, if we connect this with John six we've got Jesus saying to us, here's, here's the work the work is to believe in the one God has sent. The work is to believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Your, your faith and hope and trust in Christ. That's the work. And then here's the command. The command is to love one another. And if you get those two right, you pretty much got it right. It's pretty simple, isn't it? We we believe in Christ, we love one another. Our faith and trust is in Christ and Christ alone. Our command that we live out, that we obey, that we follow, is we love one another, but we need to point it out, right? Right here, that it's not a worldly kind of love, right? This is a Christ love. This is the example that he has given, that we love one another the way that Jesus has loved us. So... So we believe in the one that God has sent. We love one another. Now, this goes on here um, into, verse, into verse 35. And I think this is important, so let's point it out. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He said, this is going to have a powerful effect on everyone, What's going to have a powerful effect on everyone? Those who believe in Christ, loving one another the way that Christ has loved us. It's going to have a powerful effect on everyone else. They are going to recognize that you are his disciples. They're going to recognize Christ, and they're going to recognize those who are his. They're going to recognize Jesus and those who follow after him. Ugh. Hallelujah. Coffee break. I feel like I need to to tell a joke or something. Um, You ever preach on on loving one another the way that Christ loves us? Everybody kind of starts squirming in their seats a little bit and and getting uncomfortable, right? Because we're all falling a little bit short of that. We all are. That's why we need to hit it and remember it it so that the Lord stirs within us this new command that we are to love one another the way that Christ has loved us and we are to remember that 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 more than anything else proclaims Jesus. When we love one another, the world will see this, this love that we have for one another opens a door for the gospel that no one can shut. When we love one another the way that Christ has loved us, Christ is proclaimed a door for the gospel is opened. The enemy can do nothing about. And, none, and no force in this world can close. He is proclaimed. He is exalted. He's recognized. And we are recognized as his. So, so now verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? <laughs> you, you remember? Because Jesus had said, I'm going away. And, and where I'm going, you can't follow. So, so Peter has missed all of this. And he's just thinking about what, what, where are you doing? And by the way, what'd you just say? Something about love and all that. And that that's how we kind of are a lot of times, isn't it? <laughs> We're here, we heard one thing and, and we missed the other thing, but the Lord's gonna help Peter with it. He's gonna, Peter's gonna learn it. So Peter asked, Where are you going? And Jesus replied, Where I'm going, you cannot follow now. I like that now said, so you can't follow now. Instead of you can't go here, it is you can't follow now. He said, but you will follow later. You're gonna come. You're gonna come later, but but not right now. So now story continues. So Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. <laughs> Peter says, I don't want later. I want now. Like, like wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. And I don't want to wait, I want to go there now, I'll lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And you would think, after Jesus having said that to Peter, that there's no way that Peter would do that. But we know the story, Peter still does it. He disowns Jesus three times, but, but God in his grace and his mercy and his power and his compassion restores Peter. Peter. So that Peter becomes what Jesus prophesied the rock on whom the church is built he becomes he becomes a a, a powerful apostle and leader uh, of the first church, proclaiming the gospel of jesus name and and uh, all the way till he's martyred for it so then story rolls into John 14 um, 14 starting at verse one remember they're talking about He's talking about going away. Peter's wondering where. Uh, Jesus says, you know, I'm going. You can't follow me, but you will. And so now Jesus comes into this, um, which maybe helps us understand John 14 a little bit more when we connect it with 13. Uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So there, there again is the, is the we're, we are people whose faith and trust Is in Christ. We believe in in Jesus. We believe in the one who sent him. Now, verse 2: my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So now Jesus gives a little bit more clarity to what he's talking about when he talks about going away. He says, I am going to go away. He says, but don't be worried. Don't be troubled. Don't be anxious about it. He says, believe in God. Believe in me. And he says, in my Father's house, there's, there's many rooms. He said, there's going to be room for you. I'm going away for a little while to prepare a place for you, but but I'm going to come back because I want you to be with me. So we don't often recognize it, but here Jesus is prophesying his ascension and his return. He says, "I'm going to go away, but I will return." I don't know I don't know about you, but but here as we've entered into 2023, I have just been, and and as we were coming to the end of last year, and and maybe for several years now, I've just been thinking about the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and praying about the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and feeling uh, compelled, if you will, to proclaim that Jesus has died For our sins, He was buried in a tomb. He rose again on the third day. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and He is returning for His people. He is returning for His church. He has prepared rooms for us that where He is, we may be also. He's coming back for His people. You want me to tell you when? Soon. He's coming back soon. He's coming back for his people because he wants us to be where he is. It's so interesting that as Jesus talks about, as he he serves his disciples... And as he calls them to a new commandment of loving one another as he has loved, that the conversation between loving one another and his departing and returning are intertwined. This conversation is going on together. That there's something about one another and and us loving one another and, and his plan and him returning that are, I believe, powerfully connected. So now... Uh, verse 4, um, he says, you, you know the place, you know the way to the place where I am going. And then 5, Thomas says to him, Lord, don't you love Thomas and Peter? We've got a lot of helpful information in scripture because of Thomas and Peter. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? We're not sure what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way to where you're going. And then Jesus gives us John 14, 6. And Jesus answered and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And helps us to understand what Peter understood in John chapter 6 when Jesus said, are you guys going to leave? Everybody's leaving. Are you going to leave? Peter said, no. No, where are we going to go? There's there's no one else. There's no other way. You're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. You are the Holy One of God. You alone have the words of life. I'm planted here. I'm standing here. Do I understand everything? Can I explain everything? Does everything make sense to me? No, but I see that you're the Son of God, that you alone have the words of life. That you're the way, the truth, and the life, that there is no other, there's no other way to the place where you're going, and I want to be where you are. So I am, I am staying right here. We are of those who believe that this is true, that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. We believe, and that is our work. To believe in the one that God has sent. And because we believe, we say yes to his command. This is what Jesus says. He says, you believe, you say yes to my command. His command is to love one another as he has loved us. So now with that as a a reminder, um, that that was the reminder right there. We got to get done in time for communion, so. May not get to everything. Let's go to now that we've been in John. Let's go to First John. Um, we'll start at First John chapter one. Just going to try to read through some of these scriptures uh, fairly quickly, which is challenging for me. Two two things: I want to stop and talk about everything, and I'm a slow reader, so challenging. This is John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. So important, you know. This John John's talking about what he has heard and what he has seen, and he's talking about what others have heard and seen, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Like, like we've we've not lived through what they lived through, walked in the path that they walked but John John's talking from having walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and 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 having sat at his feet and even even touched him after he was resurrected he said this is this is this is the experience that we have and so we are proclaiming from that the word of life the life appeared we have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and has appeared to us, to those who have experienced and seen it. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Isn't that a great word right there? Fellowship, that we would have fellowship with them and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So, so John says, John says you know, speaking about uh, those who have, who have witnessed and seen and believed, he says, we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with the Father and with Christ and we're writing these things to you and proclaiming these things to you so that you would have fellowship with us and you would have fellowship with the Son and with the Father. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. We proclaim, we, we, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we, we lie and do not have and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus uh, his son purifies us from all uh, sin. So, so our faith and trust in Christ, and we have fellowship with him, we have fellowship with him, we have fellowship with one another. Which which, if we were to you know pick apart some of the teachings and prayers and instructions of Christ, we could see that He He wants for us not only fellowship with Him and with the Father, but fellowship with one another another. And it's our fellowship with one another that proclaims that we are his. And you can't hardly proclaim that we're his without also proclaiming him as well. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. 7. Okay, so Sake of time, let's let's uh, let's go to First John three. First John three. We'll we'll start at sixteen. But but just let me let me remind you, you know, in in First John two, which I encourage you to read, you know, First John. It's a very small book. You could do it this afternoon easily. First um, John two. We are told not to be lovers of the world. We are introduced to the Antichrist. Uh, there is, there is uh, John speaking to us. John, John's talking about loving one another and loving God here. And he speaks to us of the Antichrist, and he speaks to us of, of us living in the last days, and that there's going to be a day when the Antichrist has come and that Antichrists have already uh, come. So he's, so he's weaving into that conversation the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the spirit of Antichrist that has come. And, and here in uh, John chapter 3, 1 uh, John, I need to say that, 1 John 3, um, you know, that's, that's where we remember that we are children of God and the great love that God has for us. And now uh, he's calling us to a loving of one another. Verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So very much like John 13 where Jesus says to us, love one another and then he says, the way that I love you, love one another. So here John says, this is love. Okay, you know, whatever, you, whatever else you may think it is, here, here's a good picture of it. That Christ laid down himself for us. And so so if we're to love one another the way that Jesus loved, then that means that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Amen? Yeah. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, uh, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, calling us children again because that is what we are. Let us not love with words and speech, but with action and in truth. Well, so, you know, I mean we should certainly say we love one another, but then we should back it up with action and truth. Now, this gets interesting to me. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son. John chapter 6, 29. To believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. John 13, 33. To believe in his Son, to love one another. Here in 1 John we see it again. We're believing in Christ, and the result is that we love one another as Christ has loved us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in Him, and He in them, and this is how we know <coughs> excuse me, that He lives in us. We know by the Spirit He gave us. <clears throat> Take a coffee break, I guess. So here John, in 1 John, reminds us of of these two things, that we are of those who believe in Christ and we are of those who love one another the way that Christ has loved us. And this, more than anything else, is what should be seen. More than anything else is what should be recognized. If, if, If anybody knows anything about us, it should be this, that we believe in Jesus and we love one another the way that Christ has loved us. Now, we kind of read over it pretty quickly here, but John says here that if we do, then we'll ask God and God will do. If we are if we are standing on Christ and our hope and trust is in Him and we are loving one another the way that Christ loves by serving and laying down our lives for one another, he says... Ask, and God will give. Ask, and, and God will do. So here again we see that, that our love for one another opens a door for the gospel that can't be shut. Opens, opens up a way for the proclaiming of Christ that the enemy can do nothing to stop, nothing about that when we're walking in this path and living this way, that we will recognize the will of God and we'll pray in accordance with it, and God will move and do on our behalf. Hallelujah. So continuing in 1 John, we'll go to skipping a little bit, we'll go to go to 1 John, uh, we'll skip a little bit in 4 and go to verse 7. <clears throat> So, the first part there of first John four is a is is again you know talking about the spirit of Antichrist and not being led astray or deceived by it and being able to recognize it and identify it and and it is a it's pretty easy it's in the name it's an antichrist spirit so if it's Antichrist then you can recognize it then it's the spirit of the Antichrist so anything that's anti-Christ, you recognize because it because it doesn't acknowledge Christ for who he truly is. So then, John's going to come back into this conversation about loving one another. And this is important. This is significant. Because here, he's going to show us how this impossible command becomes possible. How we can live this out, how this can be a reality in our lives. What needs to happen if we are going to love one another the way that Christ has loved us, and if, if this doesn't happen, then we're not going to love one another the way that Christ has loved us. So now he's he's, he's getting deep into this, and he says this, dear friends, again, he's, he's saying it to us, let us love one another Gives us a hint here for love comes from God. So now, all of a sudden, you know, if, if we're thinking, Man, this is hard, and it is, can I do this? You know, is it even possible? We are reminded here that, that Yes, it is, but not because of us, but because of God. You remember what Jesus said. In Matthew 19, when, when Peter asked, who can be saved? He said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So all of a sudden, this incredibly important command of us loving one another the way that Christ has loved us. If, if, if you don't care about that, then you probably don't care about the, the lives of the lost Because us loving one another shines the light of Christ more than anything else. If you don't care about that, then you probably don't care about the glory of God. Because us loving one another gives him glory and honor more than anything else. And if you don't care about the loss and the glory of God, today might be a good day to pray. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We know that one, right? You're like, thank you pastor for this. We know that God is love. Do we? Do we really? Have we encountered the love of God? This is how God showed his love among us. How do we know that this is true? How do we know that God is love? What has God done to show his love among us? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. How do we know that God loves us? How do we know that God is love? We know it because of the gift of His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know it because of Christmas. We know it because of Easter. We know it because of his bloodshed on Calvary. We know it because of the empty tomb. God has proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that he loves us because he sent his only begotten son for us that we might live through him. What's another verse? A connecting verse. Verse. John 3:16 For God so loved the world what did he do he gave his only begotten son that whosoever whosoever you mean anyone anywhere any place any time from all around the globe whosoever believes in him you mean just believes Believes in Him. It's the work that we were called to do. To believe in God's only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish. Sounds good to me. But have everlasting life. Sounds good to me. To live in one of the rooms prepared especially for you in the Father's house. Now, God showed His love among us. He sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are are able to love one another because God has first loved us. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. His love is made complete in us because we love one another. Another, and when we love one another, it is recognized that we are lovers of God and that God loves us. Somewhere in scripture, it ought to tell us to love one another. It's so hard to find it, it's just like hidden. It's not, it's clear, it's easy, it's evident to see, and there's something that shifts and changes and takes place in our lives and in the kingdom when we love one another. Maybe, maybe this is why in Ephesians 3, Paul prays the way that he prays. Let me remind you of it. Ephesians three, 14. I'm sorry I'm not doing a lot of scripture this morning. I'll, I'll try to get some more next Sunday. so I know there, there's teaching out there that says Christ doesn't dwell in our hearts. Ephesians 3 says he does. Through faith, Christ dwells. Now, you know, I don't, it's not the organ that pumps our blood. but It's, It's the center of who we are, that Christ dwells within us, that yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and Christ does dwell in our hearts through faith. What is the work? To believe in the one whom God has sent. And when we believe in the one whom God has sent, we have fellowship with him. We have fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship, and it's not far off. It's It's here. And because we have fellowship with him and we have fellowship with the Father, we now can have fellowship with one another so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, Paul praying, that you being rooted and established in what? In love. What are we rooted and established in? We're rooted and established in in love. Verse 18, may have power. This is important. We like that word power. We're not so fond of the one together. We may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. I like holy people. I also like saints. With all of the saints. That we may have power together with All of the saints, so there is there is a power that comes, but only through fellowship, only through togetherness, only through unity, together with God's holy people, with the saints. What is it? It is to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. There to to see and understand and receive a revelation of the width and length and height and depth of the love of Christ Jesus that can cannot be known alone that only is discovered and seen and found in fellowship with the people of God in fellowship with God's holy people in fellowship with the saints so that so that when we Because God loved us, and we begin to recognize the love of God. We love one another. When we do that, we recognize more. We have a power that comes to us to see the love of God for what it truly is. To where we begin to proclaim like Paul. It's so wide and long and high and deep. Is the love of Christ that he says this. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that doesn't even make sense, does it? It surpasses knowledge, but he's calling us to know it, and we can, but we can't do it alone. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So if, so if there stirs within you a desire to know God's love, then love one another. And as we love his people, we'll begin to grow in the knowledge of the love of God. And as we grow in the knowledge of the love of God, we'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I, I, I will often, shame on me, disconnect that from verse 20 and 21, but it's not. It's, it's together with it. This is Paul in his prayer, it's not disconnected from it. So, so when this is taking place and we are loving one another, then this happens in our lives. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. It's, it's a door is opened. Things begin to take place. God moves, and He moves in in exceedingly, abundantly, above, immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine, and all of it for His glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. When When we are recognizing that God loves us, and we love one another, And we are loving one another. We see more the love of God for us. And the love of God is proclaimed. Jesus is proclaimed. And we are seen to be the children of God, disciples of Christ. And God then who who is able, is able to do immeasurably more, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to His power that works within us for His glory, for His honor, and, uh, and for the life change of others, that lives are changed and transformed if we love one another, which we can, because God has loved us. Um. Trying to decide if I continue or if I just push it till next week. Should we take a vote? Let's uh let's go ahead and Tyler, are we are we able to do the communion? You are awesome, dude. Isn't Tyler awesome? I just called him dude. <laughs> he's he's cool with it. He gave me a thumbs up. Um let's go ahead and and start to pass out the communion. So so really what we need is to see the love of God, to remember the love of God, to receive new and fresh revelations that God loves us, that He loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son for us, that He is with us, that His mercy and compassion and grace are for us. God powerfully loving us. As they're passing out the communion, there's a couple of scriptures that have, that have come to mind. I'd like to read Revelation three, off of the screen, and then I'll read some from Revelation nineteen out of my out of my Bible. You, you remember in Revelation that there are these letters to the churches; these seven letters to the churches. In in Revelation three fourteen there is the the letter to the to the church of Philadelphia. Revelation three seven. I'm sorry. Thank you, sir. Revelation 3 7, there is there is this letter to the church, Philadelphia. It's pretty interesting. Jesus speaking to the churches. And to the, to the church of Philadelphia, there's not anything negative. And this church, uh, we recognize from the name of Philadelphia, which is, which is to love your brother, brotherly love. This is what Jesus says. He says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. So he holds the keys of David, and he can open and shut. And when he opens, it's open. When he shuts it, it's shut. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Before this this church of brotherly love, the Philadelphia church, there there is an open door that cannot be closed. I feel like that lines up. with the the scriptures on loving one another that we have just found here that that when we do, there's there's a door that is opened that can't be shut. It's it's in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that we are reminded that love never fails. That, That the way that we are to go is the way of love. That God has He has loved us. We know that he sent his son. We know that Jesus has loved us. He laid down his life for us and we are to love one another. And when we do, there's an open door that can't be shut. It opens a door that cannot be shut. He says, I know that that you have little strength and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. We see them there. They're keeping the word of Christ and they are, they are doing the work, even though, they, even though he says they don't have much strength, they're doing the work of believing in Christ. And they have not denied his name. Verse 9. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet, And acknowledge that I have loved you. That I don't, I don't know. You know, take it, take it how you'd like to take it. But it makes me, makes me think of Jesus saying, "When you love one another, it will be proclaimed that you are my disciples." They're going to acknowledge. They're going to recognize. They're going to know that I have loved you. That you have loved me. That you love one another. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently i will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth jesus there's debate on this jesus is going to bring an an hour of trial there is going to come a day of tribulation it's going to be terrible. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. And there are, there are those who believe that, that the, the church may endure some of that, might, might make it to the middle or, or to the end. Here Jesus says to the Philadelphia church, He says that He's going to keep them from that, from that hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth and then here he says in verse 11 reminds us he says I'm coming and he gives us a time soon I'm coming soon I'm coming soon but I'm gonna he's either gonna protect this church through it or lift them out of it and I'm of those who believe in the rapture of the church before that trial and Jesus speaks to his church that is loving one another and says, there's a trial coming, don't worry about it. I'm going to lift you up out of it. It's going to take you away uh, from it. We see here again the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming soon and the love of God for His children and His people that He is going to come for us and take us to be with Him that where He is we may be also. I am coming soon. Hold to what I have so that hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Jesus is coming and he's going to come for his church and to come for the for the church of who who are believing in his name the church who have who have lived that new command of loving one another Those who trust in Christ with all of their heart, who see the love of God, who are loving one another, He's going to return and He's going to call us to be with Him and forevermore we will remain. And He is going to bless us and, and give gifts to us and an inheritance for us and write on us a new name. You remember the old song? There's a new name. Written down in glory, it's mine. Yes, it's mine. Such is the love of God for us. As we are about to partake of communion this morning, let us pray before we enter into it. Lord, as we share communion together, I just pray that as we partake of this, You said do this in remembrance of You. I pray just specifically today, Lord, that You would remind us of Your love for us. And that You'd show us a, a fresh glimpse of how You love us that we would see a new side of the love of God, that we, would, that we today would grow in our revelation of how wide and long and high and deep is Your love. And as we are reminded of the love of God, and as we encounter the love of God for us fresh and new, Lord, let it stir within us a renewed love for one another, for Your holy people, for the saints, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray, Lord, that you do all of this in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I was thinking about, as I was thinking about the the coming of our Savior, I was thinking about Revelation 19, and there is the incredible wedding feast of the Lamb, and then there's this celebration that's going on uh, in heaven. And then in verse 11, John looks and he sees Jesus. And here's his description of Him. It says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. He recognizes Jesus and when he recognizes uh, Jesus he recognizes that he is called faithful and true with justice he judges and makes war that this that this first coming of our savior he came as a baby and gentle and humble and with mercy and grace and as a sacrificial lamb to save us from our sins. At the second coming of our Savior, we see Him coming, declaring Himself faithful and true as, as a just judge coming to make war. Verse 12, His, his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He is is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. I think that could certainly be the armies of the angels in heaven, but I think it is also certainly the saints who have been gathered to Christ and have been given white robes and a new name and a white horse to ride out with our Savior into battle. We are, we are clothed in white uh, linens and clean. Verse 15, out of His mouth comes a sharp sword. A, a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on His robe and on His thigh is His He has this name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is our Savior appearing in Revelation 19, right before this major battle is going to take place, and he shows up as, as faithful and true, and just judge, and as king of kings, and lord of lords, and he's got a sharp sword coming out of his mouth, and he comes to tread the winepress of the fury of God, and and there in the middle of that, he, he is also seen dressed in a robe that is dipped in blood. And I believe that robe that he wears that's dipped in blood, is dipped in His own blood. That blood that He shed on Calvary. So as Jesus shows up proclaiming many things, He shows up also proclaiming that that God is love. His blood, Joy read it this morning, we sang about it in, in Hebrews 12, speaks a better word. And one of the clear, most powerful words that the blood of Christ proclaims is, I love you, is that God loves you. No matter who you are, or what you think of yourself, or how you failed, or what you have done, you need to know, maybe more than you know anything else, that God loves you. And even when Christ shows up as a judge, as justifier to come and make war on those who have not believed in him, even in that time, Jesus is still proclaiming his love, his blood is still speaking a better word that God is love and that God loves and that God loves us more than we could ever know or comprehend or imagine. So, when we partake of the communion, one of the things that we should remember, maybe more than anything else, is the love that God has for us. In 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23, Paul says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Let's break it. And said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of the the love of God to send his Son, of the love of our Savior to come. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise You, Jesus. Praise You, Jesus. Scripture says in the same way He took the cup and He said, this cup is a new covenant in My blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. As we partake of the cup, let's partake of it together, remembering the blood of Christ, which proclaims the love of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you for your blood shed on Calvary for us. We are reminded that it speaks, that it proclaims a better word. Maybe even there in Revelation 19 at the end, your blood is needed. It is needed to be seen. It is needed to be heard. Maybe even then, Satan still continues to accuse or starts to open his mouth and then he sees the blood. And the blood proclaims, That we are forgiven. We are justified. We are loved. We are yours. Sons and daughters of the Most High. Loved by God. Show us today, Lord, fresh and new. That you have loved us. That you love us still. That we are loved by you. And let your love for us change us and transform us let it let it change and and make new our hearts so that we can love like you love so that we can not only love you but that we can love one another and through our love for you and our love for one another to proclaim what the, what the blood proclaims to the lost and the hurting and the deceived that God loves them and that he has died for their sins. That there is a day of judgment coming but it is not here yet. And we live in the day of salvation where everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Speak to our hearts of your love. We remember as we partake of communion the proof that you have given that you love us, the gift of your Son. We remember, Lord Jesus, your love that is wide and long and high and deep so much so that it surpasses knowledge and that you were willing to step down off of your high place and come and be a servant and to suffer and die and shed your blood for your love for the Father and your love for us so that we could all be united and in fellowship together. We exalt you. We bless you. We praise you. We glorify your holy name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, this morning, if you have have not received the gift of Jesus Christ, If your faith and trust is not in Him, and you want to open your heart and make Him the Lord of your life? I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise Jesus. If you're watching online and you've not opened your heart and put your trust in Jesus, just raise your hand right there where you are. We're just going to pray together here. You can just pray uh, with us. Let's pray, just everyone repeating after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. I open my heart, I put my faith in you, my trust in you. I ask you to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we close this morning, I pray that you'd give us a revelation of your love and that we, your saints, would be a shining example of who you are and that we would love one another the way that you have loved us. Help us, Lord, to do the work of believing in you and to obey your command of loving one another the way that you've loved us. Pour out your love into our hearts. And because you have loved us, let us love others. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Happy New Year. Love one another. See you back here next Sunday.